wait, so, okay, Lauren, is it Lauren um, that texted me directly? Yes. Okay, Lauren, me. are you based in the OC? I saw a 949 and my little OC heart just <laughs> skipped a beat. Um, are, is that I, where you're coming from? Okay, I used to. Chandler and I both hail from the, the OC. We're sisters. <gasps> True. We're born and raised in oh, Orange Oh, uh, same. Really? Oh, no way. oh yeah. And by the way, well, you guys don't live in Orange County now, I'm assuming, right? Uh-uh. No. Okay. anymore. Where are you guys now? Lauren. Um, I live in Puerto Rico. <gasps> I, you I don't know why someone thinks that's so funny. I'm sorry. It's just so random to hear you. Like, no one's ever expecting you to say Puerto Rico. I love. Wait, are you Puerto Ricanya? Are you, are you, you know, Latina? Fam- my family is from Puerto Rico, actually. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Um, I came here, actually came to the Orange County. Tell me County more, Hilaria. <laughs> <laughs> how do you say it in English? Cucumber? What? What's the word? <laughs> Yeah, um, how do you say it in English? I came here for university, university that. Yeah, university that. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm from Orange County too, born and raised, and I, my parents still live there, so I go back at least once a week. Oh my gosh! Wait, what part of Orange County? So I, I was born uh, at Hogue Hospital in Newport yes. Beach, California. Oh, Snaps. That's a fancy hospital. That's really fancy. It, oh yeah, Ocean View. And then uh, yeah, I've been. I grew up there. And then um, I have family all over. I, I'm more on the I guess South County side, but I have family Wait. in in Fullerton, Costa Mesa, Brea. I mean, I love all of Orange County. Oh my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we're. By the way, this is I'm Chandler. Um, oh hi Chandler. Hi. Um, I'm in San Francisco as well. Not oh. um not in Puerto Rico. Not as cool. Got it. But we we were born and raised in San Clemente. Oh, amazing. Yeah. My we used to have a, a place uh, or a house in, off of um, Camino Las Ramblas. Yes. <laughs> and, I've never uh, said it that well. Yeah, and we're where that's more like Dana Point, but San Clemente is like the spot. We'd go to the harbor house and like mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my all gosh. That. I love I love OC. So this is how this is how deep our roots get low in the OC. Outside of the Mission Viejo Mall, there are tiles that we painted as children that were installed on the entry. Like that was one of their activities that you could do, would paint a tile for like posterity Mm -hmm. and your love and devotion to shopping at the Mission Viejo Mall. You can visit visit that at your leisure. Wow, I cannot wait. You are a pioneer. One of the founding queens of the Mission Viejo Mall. And you know what's so funny? Okay, Mission Viejo Mall, by the way. What a, like, random spot, first of all. (laughs) Um, But I – so right now I live uh, in Los Angeles now, and I've been in L.A. for over a decade. Uh, Like, I think, what, 15 years here? But uh, I still will drive my ass all the way to Mission Viejo Mall. At least I'd say once every couple months I'll do it. Because it's the only place that has – it's called Paradise Cafe. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The cookies? cookies. The cookies. Those (laughs) damn cookies. Yes. So soft. So delicious. So a little – we get a little crunch on the outside edge, Mm -hmm. soft and gooey in the middle. So gooey. Yeah, it's the best – they have a a toasted uh, coconut chocolate chip that really does it for me. Oh, I've had it. Yeah. Oh, I've had it. Familiar. (laughs) So, yeah, I will drive my ass over there, pop my little edible, enjoy the ride, and, <laughs> and then get my dozen cookies and feast on them. But yeah, that's oh. why I go to Mission Viejo Mall. It's a, a gem, a little hidden gem of Orange County. Totally a hidden gem. One of the like only standing establishments with a Microsoft store still. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, in your in your youth, were you the type to like potentially go to the Mission Bay Hill Mall for like a Cheesecake Factory lunch with your friends like, in middle school, and then like a perusal of Nordstrom? Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, a little pit stop at Charlotte Roost, maybe a little hot topic if I'm feeling edgy. Your sure. mom drops you off and picks you up. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. She sent me the the text to my Nokia brick, um, <laughs> and oh, I loved it. Yeah, and it's funny because all my friends were like super rich. Um, not that I, well, I wasn't rich at all. Uh, but my, I didn't realize having like super wealthy friends and they would go to Nordstrom's and be like, should I get this Gucci bag? And I was just hoping to Stop. get like an iced coffee at E-Bar, you know, <laughs> oh like, because I, I had, I think it was like $15 and my, my mom did these, like, you can put money on a card, basically right. a gift card, but it's like a MasterCard for beginners. Um, <laughs> so I'd have that. And, uh, and I'd always like try on stuff like, should I buy these, you know, like Louis Vuitton pants? Like there's no, like, I'm sure the salespeople just hated us uh, or me at least. Um, but anyway, oh yes, I definitely embraced the, the mall experience as a kid. I was one of the classic teenagers that always used Nordstrom's generous return policy to recycle the same $200 probably over the course of like 10 years. <laughs> oh my God. You know what? They're, they're in, I don't know if their return policy is still as open as they used to be, but I've seen some crazy shit at Nordstrom's. <laughs> I, I mean, at one point, so one of my girlfriends was working customer service at South Coast Plaza and uh which are, i'm sure you guys are oh, very oh, familiar we love a, yeah <laughs> we love we'll get into our history with south coast plaza south coast yet but i love this podcast by the way is just going to be like a tour of orange county <laughs> a, mall, a retail tour of mall tour yeah. of orange county so let's get into pf chang so we'll, go back, like, <laughs> we'll circle back to fashion island later oh, on <laughs> amazing but uh my girlfriend was telling me that someone came in uh to return some items and it was you know a bunch of suits and they're ralph lauren suits that were beautiful in their day but she's like my uh my uncle who i hadn't seen in like 10 years he died and um, I cleaned out his closet and found all these suits and they still have the Nordstrom's tag on them. And I swear it was when Nordstrom's like the font was completely different <laughs> and it was just like a totally different look. And these tags, you know, they must have been from like 1987, oh like the first gosh. Nordstrom's in Dallas, Texas. And uh, anyway, they took the return. They took no. the return. God yeah. bless that. God bless them, truly. Really? So, yeah, I, I definitely took advantage of that return policy a few times in my youth. I mean, I've had the thought a few times to myself, like, if things get hard, like, especially when I was really broke, like, if things get hard, I do have a few things I could return to Nordstrom for, like, a quick (laughs) nine bucks. (laughs) Things get real dark before she gets on OnlyFans. Collateral. Of course. Yeah. I thought this, I definitely thought the same way. Or if someone got me a gift and it had the Nordstrom tag, I was like, yes, cash. (laughs) Thank you so much for the cash. I mean, the sweater. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Okay, Nordstrom confession. Um, when I was in the eighth grade, my childhood best friend, Isabella, and I, we went and got Burberry coats for Nordstrom. Mm, and this was probably mm. like the most – it was in like the height of the Gossip Girl phase. Oh, amazing so, time. 2007, oh, 2008, around that, I assume. Exactly. We're, we're stylish eighth graders, like right. ready to take on Manhattan. Headbands, um, long strand pearls. <laughs> in our San Clemente high school or middle school. Anyway, we go, we get the Burberry trench coats. We basically never wear them because it's like too warm or whatever. <laughs> so let's fast forward like three years. And my my friend Isabel and I are like chatting one day and we're like, you know what? We still have those Burberry <laughs> trench coats. Let's go see if we can get our money back. 
No. Was, oh my God. Did you wait? Did you get him back? Let's just say on a warm afternoon in 2011, I got $400 richer. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. And wow. No regrets. No freaking regrets. I love it. Oh my it. gosh. Yeah. I have such a su- special soft spot for Burberry because that was my first retail job. And I oh, it was. was obsessed. To this day, I still love Burberry, but that was, I have so many coats and things because the uh, the discount you got at Burberry was insane. So my closet is Burberryed out to this day. Oh I gosh. refuse to get rid of any of the pieces, but no, I'd get, you get like set uh, during the holiday. You Well, normally as an employee, you get 40 to 50% off. Um, and I worked in VIP relations. Okay. So oh, they classy. gave me, so they were like, we want you to wear the brand. Uh, for like these rich ass people that come and shop with you at South Coast Plaza. And then I worked at the Beverly Hills store, uh, but they would give us a little uh, incentive. So they give us 75 to 80% off. <gasps> so I was Are getting, Burber- oh, it was incredible. I was getting Burberry stuff at like Zara prices. That's and- literally Burberry for free. Oh yeah. Oh, and then, well, I'd go to the outlet at Cabazon, which is like going to the desert area. Oh, we've been. Um, Oh, okay. <laughs> no worries there. <laughs> Outlet's my middle name. I love that you guys are very familiar with Capital. We love a factory store. Yes, we do. <laughs> so there, I mean, because it's already discounted a lot there. So right. I would clean house. So yeah, my Burberry heyday, my mom has at least like 40 to 50 Burberry bags that she got <laughs> for target prices. And yeah, it was it was the glory days. And now I couldn't even imagine spending that kind of money because the average coat there is it's around uh, $1,500 on the right. low end. Oh, my um, gosh. Really expensive. So I could never afford that stuff. Or, by the way, afford it when I was working retail there. <laughs> like, that's the smoke and mirrors of working high-end retail. Right. People think, like, well, they look at you and you're wearing all this beautiful shit and it's super expensive. Um, but I'm like, ooh, like, I hope I have a Chipotle gift card, you know, because <laughs> times are tough. <laughs> Tucked away in that $5,000 jacket. Yeah, I know. I literally had like an ostrich bag and like this beautiful $3,000 runway coat. And I'm like at Del Taco getting and my cards getting declined. And I'm like, oh, welcome to like, my I swear, life. I swear I just forgot to activate it. Yeah. Oh, I always use that one. Yeah. Oh my God. It's probably fraud because so many people know that I'm rich. I've been making so many purchases across the country all day long. Yeah. You know, this is just what happens when you travel a lot. They just turn off your card sometimes. Oh, uh-huh. gosh. I love – yeah, I always use those excuses. Especially, well, even when I worked retail, I felt that was tough because a lot of the times you'd have people come in and they're spending a lot of money. But you knew the the first-time bag buyers and, and spending, you know, $1,000 on a bag. Anything over, I think, like 500 is like, holy crap, like it's an investment. Um, mm-hmm. But you'd see them, you know, their cards get declined and you could just tell they're sweating it. And they're like, oh, you know, let me call. And I never embarrass them because I know, like, I was like, tr- like we're in the same boat, sir. You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd always say, I never, because it would come up as um, a transaction decline insufficient funds on our register. <gasps> and so I would always just say, oh, it looks like there is fraud. I said, I think you should handle that. And sometimes... <laughs> I said, they can't remove it for up to 24 hours, sir. So I think you should really take a look um, with like a wink, wink. And so then they would excuse themselves to go call and have her come back. That is so generous of you. That is truly so nice. As someone who's gotten her card declined many a time and had to like, you know, excuse myself to go make a transfer from my savings to my checking uh, discreetly. 
really, I really appreciate that. Uh, oh, yeah. That grace you've extended <laughs> to people. You know what, though? It's funny because retail people, I think that that's part of the one of the perks is getting to deny people returns and humiliate them at a cash register. <laughs> and there's a certain type of personality that I've worked with in retail. And it's just this kind of like snooty, right. like, we're not going to accept your return. And I'm like... In the long grand scheme of things, like return it, like who cares? I was super lenient, and then I started to get that reputation, which is probably why people were like, "Always go to him, like he returns everything." Like I oh became, yeah. Um, but I just look at it like we're dealing with clothes here. Why am I going to ruin someone's life or like embarrass them, or they're going to have a really tough month financially because I wouldn't take the bag back that they shouldn't have purchased totally. in the first place? You know? See, I I probably would have been more on the side of like resenting the fact that I was working at Chanel and they were shopping at Chanel. So if they got declined, I probably would have been like, declined. And just blinked <laughs> and looked at them. <laughs> Gleeful. Oh, yeah. Totally. The only thing that I actually took a little bit of joy from was the we'd get really difficult customers all the time. These high-end retail stores, I mean, they're specific brands. Burberry, Burberry is for, I think, a professional person. You could get kind of all walks of life that walk in there. Mm-hmm. There are specific brands like Versace, for example. It's kind of like stupid money. You have to have a lot of it. And the Versace yeah. client is so specific. I mean, you're talking really loud very body con, very flashy. So mm-hmm. those people are very weird. So the people yes. that are Versace shopper, it's like you're, you're a little cuckoo if you're spending that kind of time at Versace. I feel like you can't wear more than one Versace piece at a time without being an, a walking eyesore. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, it's a crazy loud, lots of prints, Medusa heads everywhere. Yes, like yeah. too yeah. much like gold, like chains everywhere. No, yeah, yeah, I know. There should be like a seizure warning on the labels. <laughs> really? I mean, amazing stuff, but it's it's a lot. But I remember at Burberry, people would, uh, and I worked at Versace for a little bit too, but uh, Burberry, I remember specifically people coming in to return bags and it would be like a really angry customer. You need to return this. It's an older bag and the handle's breaking and, and what kind of craftsmanship is this? I've spent this much money. And we knew because we've been trained, all of these sales associates are like, extensively trained on knowing knockoff bags and I knew it was a knockoff bag I knew and so this customer who's you know trying to rip me a new asshole getting so upset that I won't return their bag and I finally had to say it's not real ma'am I'm sorry your (gasps) husband bought you a fake bag Uh, (laughs) oh my gosh that happened a a lot more than i'd like to admit it was very common fake scarves fake bags fake trench coats they'd get it from you know santi alley or canal street in new york and come and try and return it at our store and sometimes it the the worst part that i actually didn't take joy in was when it was a gift like a husband got his wife a fake bag as a gift and she's innocently wanting to exchange it for something different i would be the the person who would end up returning the bag uh into the store and then letting her pick out a new one and then I get written up. I got like three warnings and I almost got fired for doing that. Oh my gosh. Well, you probably have so much good karma right now. Like I hope your life is going swimmingly because like you just were really banking the good karma in those days. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I sure was. Like, well, and, I, and I was like, oh my God, like she's probably going to be devastated if she finds out that her right. husband gave her a bag that's totally fake. And I don't know their backstory, but but anyway, she just seemed like so, and you could, it was like the one, I remember this one woman that came in and you could tell she doesn't 
shop fancy retail. Like she even admitted, she's like, I don't shop at these kind of stores. Like I'm even nervous to be in here. And she was so sweet. And I'm like, but your bag is so fake. Um, so I said, you know what? This is an older collection piece. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we can give you full <laughs> retail value. But, you, but it looks like you can get the price point of a wallet. So she's like, oh, great. Which oh was still $450. So she was able to pick out a nice wallet. But um, yeah, I didn't want to humiliate or ruin her marriage. You're literally like Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot. Sure. Little fashion fairy of hope and dreams. Like the, getting someone a fake bag is grounds for divorce. In my opinion. Well, okay. When I was in China, I shopped in their like underground market for fake bags. And you guys, it is like (laughs) so crazy. Like the the theatrics involved in these, some of these stores, like you go into the store and well, first of all, you don't know how to get to the, like the place where they sell them. So you just have to walk outside of it because you can't, like you have to be ushered in. So then like a lady will approach you and she'll like- Wait, this is like, this is like a, a, a regular storefront and then they have like the secret fake bag part this is like an underground like it's like an underground like, plaza like an underground swap meet yes like, it's like an exactly it's like a, oh, but so but cool. it's all like fake stuff and it's underground and there's no storefront so you have to go outside like a museum and then some random like they're like what? always like hunting down the people that know where it is yeah. and so they'll come out they'll usher you in and then um and then they'll take you into the store and then you have to and there's like there's like a hundred stores in the underground place and then you have to get them to take you to the secret store in the secret store so they'll take you like you have to like kind of like ask for it, ask for it, ask for it. It's fine. They'll take you to the secret store, and then like while you're like shopping in the secret store, the and this is where all the really really good fakes are, where it's like genuine leather. Like it's I, I right. think they probably are like identical. Um, they literally will like at one point they like turned off all the lights and I'm like shh 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 please shh shh like they like <laughs> make it seem. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They make it seem like you're like literally like like they're you're about to be hunted down potentially. So it's very exciting to buy a fake bag in China, I will say. Oh my god, amazing. I love that it's yes. like the underground railroad of fashion. Seriously. It's you did fascinating stuff. Lauren did get me a really good Gucci fake. And yes. oh, nice. I guess I'm coming uh clean, I guess, over the airwaves about having one Gucci bag that's fake. So but no one would know. I mean, if it's a good one, like I, hell, honestly, I don't think anyone would know. And now that I had to have a real one, I feel like you know it's all the same. Yeah. Oh, for it's, sure. It's a wash. Wait. Okay. So we need to back up. Yeah. We didn't oh, even yeah. introduce our I'm amazing sorry. guest. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. Amazing. Okay, Lo. Wait, Lo. Can you please tell me how to pronounce your last name? Sure. Yeah, it's Von Rumpf. Von Rumpf. Uh, yeah. Oh, Von Vio- Rumpf. Uh, very easy. Not at all. But. <laughs> V-O-N-R-U-M-P-F, super German, but I, I see, I have a very German last name, but I'm super Hispanic, but you know, whatever, it works. I love it. Just a quick rolling R, no big deal. I can't even, yeah. I, I'm not even going to try because I can't roll my R's, so yeah, that. Dude, I get a lot of mispronunciations of it, but it's easy breezy, just low. I'll go by low, which is short for Lorenzo, which is my first name. Oh, Mijas. I love it. So yes. cute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Lorenzo uh, von Rumpf. Hilaria is extremely jealous. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So, Lo, you recently started a podcast called The Low Show. That's just a total hit and people are loving. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm surprised it is a hit, to be honest. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, 
we're only 20 minutes into this and I completely understand. It is, yeah. you are a delight, truly. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, the whole podcast space, I launched it during a pandemic and I was, I was nervous. I got like the anxiety diarrhea and I was like, sure. oh my God, is this going to be, and my producers had said like, just so you know, like, you know, let's have some low expectations for this situation because <laughs> oh my God. there's like a thousand podcasts launched every day during a pandemic. Uh, but you know, I think what's cool is, and I don't, you know, I don't have like millions of followers on Instagram, like a lot of my clients and friends and stuff. So I was like, probably no one's going to be into this, but the podcast space, which is really nice is you can carve out a, a really nice audience for yourself and people kind of pass it on like a good book almost like the totally. podcast world is totally different. You don't need to have a million followers to have a good podcast. It doesn't matter. Honestly. Yeah. Um, you could do is it that- just, it gets uh, word spreads. Is that the story you told yourself when you saw how many followers we had on Instagram? And you're like, I guess I'm going to go on their podcast. I hope it's worth it. Exactly what I said. No, I, I don't even see. I don't even pay attention to that because I have one of one of my girlfriends has a really successful podcast and has tons of listeners and she doesn't really have social media. Like she's not yeah. like crazy. And I don't know. It just to each their own, but I don't really, the numbers don't really, I don't know. They don't really matter in the long run when it comes to the podcast world, even influencing world. I'm like, or social media. I'm like, "Ah, people are so over it. I think at this point, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. So really is a lot of those are bought and paid for Mm, bought and paid for followers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that do nothing and are total. It's totally smoke and mirrors. But that's a whole other conversation. But your day job is that you are a stylist to the to the stars, to the oh, celebrities. Sure, yeah, <laughs> to the star. I have. Uh, well, I hate to say normal people too, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I do style uh, all walks of life. I focus mainly on people in the entertainment industry. So there's a lot of producers, agents. Uh, I guess celebrities, yeah. uh, actors, uh, singers, and stuff like that. But it's been—I've been doing it ten years. This ride, oh I started. I'm, I'm 31 right now, and I started at 21 is when I got wow. my first my my first client, and I've been doing it since. Oh my gosh! Um, did you start in New York, or were you have you always been in LA? Always been in LA. I came okay. to LA with just hopes and dreams packed in a little suitcase Ugh. and just wanting to make it. Dropped out of college and was like, all right, let's do this. I didn't know I was going to do fashion. I thought I was going to be an actor or like, have you ever watched Entourage, the show? I've seen a little bit of it. Well, there's a character who's kind of an asshole named Ari Gold. And he's like <laughs> this loud mouth, like agent that's always slamming his cell phone. And he's like, you know, get me Scorsese. Like he's like that type, you know, Spielberg's online. Right, one. Right. Fuck. So I was like, I want to be that so bad. And like wear power suits. and Just, just like all- a nightmare. Yeah. Like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was tired of being the nice guy at Burberry. Right. I was ready to be a total dick. Um, so I thought I'd get into like publicity or something cool like that and then I was doing like little modeling gigs as a kid so I Uh always was familiar with the the entertainment world Um, I mean I say make it sound like I was an Olsen twin for God's sake (laughs) (laughs) my life on the stage as a child like I did some stupid commercials and stuff as a child but um, and then modeling in like high school years and stuff like that but I mean that was gonna 
and very soon if you're you know a model in that time and right. i had like i'm a i'm a biracial i'm got a splash of white but a lot of uh, latin mix in there and the look was like abercrombie and fitch type of a vibe and i was like <laughs> more of a la julio type of a look <laughs> el torito <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because literally i feel like the only place that people scout for like child models is at the mission viejo mall oh like that, that's where i got my big start <laughs> Like out, literally. literally outside of Paradise Bakery in the food court, like yeah. people get stopped. Yeah, or I was eating my fucking cookie, <laughs> getting stopped to have life changing moment for my career. A and starlet. So, yeah, a starlet. So as soon as I got into the business uh, of like modeling and stuff, and I realized mm, this isn't going to work, and it was at a photo shoot, and I remember I was uh, 19 years old, and this photographer. Um, had booked me uh, as a model for this denim campaign. It was me and like four other people, I believe. And the stylist, all the, the merchandise was there, but the stylist didn't show up. I don't know what happened to her, but this was in downtown LA and it was for like catalog work. And this photographer was like, you know, all irritated. We're waiting right. on this person. So I just stepped up and was like, hey, uh, I can style it. You know, why don't I put the looks together? And he's oh like, what sure. He's like, at this point, like anyone can do it. I'm just want to get this shit started. So I did it and loved it. It was so fun putting the looks together and getting to be creative in that moment. And then I actually enjoyed it more than actually being in front of the camera. And I was like, wait, this is actually really cool. And then he called me about four five months later and I hadn't been booking a lot of modeling work. It was slow for me. And uh, <laughs> so I picked up like on the first ring. I'm like, hello. <laughs> and, and he was like, I got a shoot on Thursday. Uh, do you, I'd like to book you for it. Are you down? And I was like, oh yeah. Like I've been living in the gym. And he's like, no, not as a model. No, I'm like, fuck. He's <laughs> like, uh, I want to book you to style it. Do you want to style it? And I was like, oh. Um, and then I automatically felt insecure. Like I'm ugly. And then oh, realized, oh I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to style this. And, and that was pretty much where it started. And I just said, yeah, I'd love to. And he's like, do you have styling experience? And I'm like, absolutely. Um, I didn't. But You're like, I, do you know how many hours I've spent in the Mission Viejo Mall? Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of just, yeah, I took that opportunity and, you know, not to say it was success from then on, but it definitely was a little lighter, uh, a lit a match to a career, a snowball effect of it started to grow slowly, but surely. And now, you know, 10 years later, boom, I'm, I'm still doing it. Right. That's I feel incredible. like that's the way like a lot of those things happen. It's kind of like happenstance and by chance. And then all of a sudden it's just like what you do. Yeah. And, and I, I think that I got in at a really great time because this was like 2007, eight type era, I guess, like early 2000s. Okay. So, but there wasn't like social, we had MySpace, but like Instagram and all these other amazing social media platforms weren't really a thing. So, I mean, traditionally uh, for booking work, you have, you present your book. And if you, you get a really good book and you can do, you show your advertorial, your editorial side and your red carpets, and then you present that to big agencies. This is like old school. I sound like I'm 60. I'm not, (laughs) and I'm like back in my day, you know, then you hand them a floppy disk. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like when you hear like Janice Dickinson, like the world's (laughs) first supermodel. And I'm like, 
you know? And um, so I remember building my quote unquote book and giving it to big agents and managers. And I, I mean, it was truly a fake it till you make it moment. Yeah. Yeah, um, totally. and, and, and it was smoke and mirrors. And I, I had really beautiful girlfriends uh, that I would and, and hot dudes that I would shoot that I was close with. And I knew photographers just from being friends and in L.A. with people. And I would use those connections, build this uh, book, Smoke and Mirrors, and then present it to these big uh, uh, agencies and stuff and say, like, hey, I'd love to work with, you know, talent or actors yeah. and stuff. And they they bought it. They bit. Now you fake it till you make it, but you still have to deliver the goods. You can't fail. You totally. Know? So you have to hold yourself to that standard. But but now what I'm saying is for a stylist that wants to make it in the industry now, it's easier and it's more difficult in the big scale of things yeah. because you, you really can't fake it as much because you, you're going to be caught faking it. Like you just people look you up on Instagram and they could see if it's, you know, bullshit.com you know totally um people sense they can see that so but it, you also have access to celebrities so it's a double-edged sword you have access to more people now that i would have never had access to when i first started but yeah anyway not to get into all of that it's, but it's, yeah i mean it's so funny so basically what, what you're saying is where you were styling people around the era of the low-rise jeans mm, and the mm-hmm. camisoles like the marissa cooper look from the oc oh like, iconic <laughs> in every way <laughs> I loved it. Like, I just feel like the fashion of like the mid two thousands is like really special in like a horrifying way. In a, <laughs> in a very like those jeans. I remember Paris Hilton rocking yes. those jeans that were right above like her like vaginal bone. Yes, like, like it there's was, an inch of like yeah, of material above like, almost her, like it, her vagina. Is that like pubic hair? Like it was so low. Like it's yeah, so low. And then just like the tiny little tank tops, and I mean, it was horrifying fashion, but like incredible at this but time. iconic oh now, yeah. your life like you lived and died by whether like how expensive your jean pocket made people think you're, you're or how like expensive your jeans look like was that a seven design is that a page denim oh yes oh my god seven jeans seven. everything so is she playing the 127 dollar jean game or is she in the 214 i mean there was a time speaking of cabazon there was a time in my life when we went to the cabazon outlets and there was a true religion uh, outlet i don't know if either of you remember um i i had to like you know obviously buy my own clothes and so i went to like their sale bin and i got a pair of white corduroy true religions that had a large brown stain on the back where like the the label had like bled out or like And I was like, I'll just wear a long shirt. It's totally fine. I just really want these designer jeans. <laughs> anything for anything for that like horseshoe logo or whatever. Right. It is. Oh, anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Von Dutch. I love a good hat. And oh, I had yes. probably 50 Von Dutch hats. Ed Hardy. Oh my god. Oh, oh my eat, breathe, and live. Ed freaking Hardy. Yeah, you know it's making a comeback, which is so weird to say that. But Von Wait, what Dutch, what do you mean it's making a comeback? Um, it's the latest trend of twenty twenty one. Stop! Is, I, it's crazy because so um, Ed Ed Hardy and Von Dutch, specifically Von Dutch, is coming back full throttle. They actually hired a, a PR showroom here in Los Angeles, no way. and they're trying to do like a whole resurgence. And you'll see like random people. I, I think it was like Kristen Stewart or something, and you know Kristen Stewart like outside of playing princess diana which is a oh mess gosh. we'll get into that but Ugh. um <laughs> but she'll dress like you know like white shirt you know like in ripped up jeans and she had right. a dutch hat on so stop oh yeah so there's people that are trying to make it make a comeback which is kind of i don't know i'm not mad at it i'm like it's nostalgic for me right so i look at it and for a lot of 
like younger people, they're like, ooh, fun. They have no idea that it's been around forever. People love like an, an iconic, like nostalgic piece of merch, you know, yeah. and like Von Dutch and Ed Hardy are very much so like merchy type of thing. Oh, like the juicy sweatsuit? Yes. I'm never going to tire of it. Yes. It's still never. everything to me. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, can I ask a logistical question? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say like you're someone who's like, you know, you have like okay style, like maybe like Chandler. And um they Excuse you want to come <laughs> you, you, wow. you want to come to low to get, you know, to get like styled. A glow up but, for sure. A glow up. What what are like the fees? Like and you don't have to tell me your fees, but like what are stand like what what would Chandler expect to pay for like whatever help you could give her? <laughs> So we offer at uh, www.lvrstyle.com several different packages. So let's say if, well, with, with you, Chandler, if you wanted to do, I'd want to do a closet audit first. Probably, for sure. I would definitely need that. Yeah. Clean so we, house. Yeah. Let's clean some house. Let's get rid of some of those old jeans and things. And then, and then I'd probably want to do, you know, I don't usually do personal shopping anymore with clients. Yeah. I mean, eh, I, no, I'll usually just get everything um, sent to their house and then we mm-hmm. can go through it together. Right. But uh, it ranges for uh, for every person, I guess, based on what their needs and wants are. But you're going to start around like the $1,500 $1, is like okay. where you're going to start off at. Uh, and that's for like a closet audit. And then it goes up to there, depending on how many hours are needed, how big the closet is, the amount of work that I'm going to need to put into it. The is question is, it's a lot of work. do you offer payment plans? Definitely. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I have payment plans. I have one client and she pays me in Botox and filler. Incredible. So, um, oh I, I don't have any like goods or services to trade you with. I'll just have to finance this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do a payment plan. That's totally fine. After pay. I love it. Yeah. And even with some some of my clients, they're like, uh, you know, I just need like a couple looks. Can you help me out? And And I know, especially during right now in these times, you know, sometimes you have to be pretty fluid with working with someone's budget. If you want to build something with someone, yeah. you know, I'm, sometimes I'm in it for the long run and I'm like, okay, uh, this person just needs a little bit of help and I'm not about to charge them, you know, $5,000 for a full overhaul, you know, we'll work within their budget or, you know. I feel like t-shirt. what I would need the most is just someone to tell me if my graphic tees are ironic and cute or if they're actually just ugly. And like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm constantly being told by my family to stop wearing graphic tees and to quote, dress for my face, um, which I don't do very well, allegedly. So I, that's what, like, that's the type of audit I would need. I love that they're like, dress for your face. What is that? <laughs> like, what does that mean? They're like, so a hoodie? Like, what do you? Let me explain the dress for your face philosophy. And I think this is something that you could bring to your business. So you're welcome. I'm excited. Um, really, it's like, okay, if you have a classically pretty face and you have a feminine face, you have, fe- like, you have, you know, you're a feminine looking woman from the neck up. Thank you, Lauren. Then- <laughs> Like, we don't need an Avril Lavigne aesthetic from the neck down, you know? We should have something that accentuates and elevates. And I know there can be, like, cool contrasts or whatever, but I don't think Chandler really has nailed that balance. And so I think, like, (laughs) to keep it simple, let's just dress for your face. Let's keep it all, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah, same wavelength. I I didn't foresee this intervention. For the record, I didn't foresee this at all, and I pers- I came out to have a good time, and I feel attacked. Yeah, I feel personally <laughs> attacked. We're but, gonna start putting in Chandler some cute little turtleneck, <laughs> and I don't know. Honestly, I haven't seen Chandler's face yet. This is I can't see. Well, 
Yeah, prepare to be like let down by my clothing. Um, Lauren, on the other hand, I feel like wears too many like uh, prairie tops, like a little bit. Like she's <laughs> yes. she's gone full Quaker on us in an attempt to look feminine. Yeah, and are we going breaking Amish vibes? Are you like making yes. sure no skin is showing, honey? Rump springer, baby, let's yeah. go. <laughs> I just want to look like like the, a perpetual virgin until I'm like in the grave. I love that. No, I. I'm okay with, yeah, Little House in the Prairie. Embrace the doily little frills and ruffles. <laughs> it's, it's sweet. It's very sweet, Lauren. You, you know what's actually funny is I was with my uh, fiance this morning looking at clothes, and he was like, please don't buy any of that. Like, he was, like, kind of taking a look at what I was buying because he hates my style. And he was like, what about you just, like, why, why don't you just get, like, some shirts where you're like cut off jeans and the converse. And I finally turned to him I'm like, listen, you didn't find me in Hobie. I'm not like a basic, <laughs> you know, like the local surf and sport bitch. Like, and I'm sorry, but like, it's never going to happen. So give up on this. Anyway. Let it freaking go and just embrace your ruffles and your Amish vibes. He I really said, wants like- to dress like a pure rat or someone like oh, that just hangs, <laughs> hangs around the San Clemente pier. He yeah. seriously wants me to dress like I also like potentially spend have a hobby of like skating on a like a half pipe or whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just yeah. told him, I was like, if my clothing makes me look average or if my clothing is average, that's false advertising. Okay. So it's just actually never gonna happen. This is incredible words of wisdom. It's I mean, it's almost to that level of like a Maya Angelou, like the type <laughs> of <laughs> profound words you are speaking, Queen. And I completely agree with you. And I will Thank say you. That uh, when it comes to guys, what they like with women's style, it's interesting. I read this GQ article and it was this whole thing uh, about the Louboutin and how expensive they are, of course. And and I know just from my clients, they always request a Louboutin and I'm like, no, because I know how uncomfortable they are. And and I think you should definitely, you know, if you want to wear a heel, rock it, but you should try and find one that's remotely comfortable. And I mean, Louboutins, the arch is insane. Anyway, it's not a realistic heel for most women. Some can wear them, most cannot. That being said, they did this poll on GQ and it was what guys find the most attractive and overwhelming. It was like 88% of men, they want a girl wearing Chuck Taylors and some cut off shorts and an oversized t-shirt, little to no makeup, maybe a little cystic acne. It was just like really just downplayed and that's what guys just want to keep it i guess real at this point and i don't know they just like more of the tomboy look i mean generally speaking and more than and i think there's some truth to it because i think when women back when we could go out you know about 10 years ago yeah, right um uh, women would dress you dress to impress other women you know totally you want to look mean, good but- for you, you want to look good for your girlfriends but honestly men can be lizard brains like they have no idea about fashion or like anything mm-hmm. And so oftentimes, yeah, they just want you in, like, literally converse and, like, you know, cutoffs. Chandler, as she's she's speaking to a man, she's like, did you know that men can be lizard brains? (laughs) (laughs) Straight men, we should say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, straight men, of course. I feel like I'm a hybrid between both. I'm definitely a guy, but I'm very in touch with my feminine side. Oh, yeah, I mean, and and you're – you're a professional like fashionista. So like, of course yeah. you're not a lizard brain, but the yeah, most you're not I've dealt with. You know, what's interesting though, about the, like with gay dudes in general, there's this, uh, what's it called? Stereotype predisposed thought, which isn't a bad thing that a lot of gay men have great style. 
But I will say, being in that gay community, that they have the worst style for the really. Most <laughs> a lot of gay guys can't dress for shit, and I, I mean, I just know from you know having a lot of gay people in my life, and they have terrible fashion sense. I think that they are attracted to. Uh, clothing and they love you know expressing themselves through mm-hmm. different colors and stuff so they could impart their knowledge on their female best friend but from what i've seen is a lot of them i'm like that is like the worst and and i don't know i just think they're gay and they might love the clothes but it doesn't mean they're they could be a stylist and a lot of gay men are like like they love to throw shade outfits or give their input and i'm like take a seat you know Henry, you don't know what you're talking about. Even though you're (laughs) gay, just because you like dick doesn't mean you have good taste. You know what I mean? 100%. (laughs) That's what I tell Chandler. Um. (laughs) Wait, Lo, I have to ask you a random question. What part of LA do you live in? Uh, I'm in, I'm in the, it's considered the Valley. Oh, you're in the Valley. Okay. Studio City. Okay. I used to live in LA for like two years. Oh, nice. What what part of LA did you live in? Um, I was in, I was on the West side. So I was in Westwood. Oh, I mean, it's beautiful over there. It's so interesting because the friends that I have, so the Valley for, I guess, your listeners, if they're not familiar with Los Angeles, but uh, the Valley would be like Universal Studios type area. And then I'm I'm 10 minutes from Hollywood, but the West side is all of, I'd say like 30, 40 minutes for me. Yeah. So that's yeah. like uh, Brentwood, uh, Santa Monica, Venice, all of that area. And I've had a couple friends, you know, that I've had to say goodbye to because oh. they have moved to the West Side. Ooh, and- yeah, like we wouldn't. Unfortunately, if I lived there, still we wouldn't be able to be friends. Like, no. <laughs> we'd be pen pals. Definitely pen pals. But I, I had a job in um the the Godforsaken El Segundo, Ooh. so I had to live on the uh, I had to live on the West Side for my commute. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's an aggressive commute. But the the East Side and like the Valley is much cooler. I would say. And well, it, yeah, it, it used to have like, a, oh, the valley, Ooh. like people would think that. But now no. you know, I, I moved here because one, all the studios are here. So you have Warner Brothers and all the major studio, like the Ellen lot and all that stuff. Yeah. Is here. Um, but all my clients live over here. So right. I, I used to live in uh, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills area for like over five years. And then I decided I got to go to the valley because I'm having to go there so much anyway for clients. I should just get a spot over there. And then I ended up loving it. And now it feels just like. West Hollywood and stuff, all the same type of great restaurants. And it's totally. really, they've built it up so much. It's great. But it I still mean, has a familial vibe. Like you'll still right. see the, the moms with their little private school kids, and you know. Like it's so be like Topanga Canyon and like, I mean, I guess like the hills are kind of technically a little bit over there, but like Pasadena so beautiful. And oh, like yeah, Los, great. Los Feliz. I don't know if you say Los Feliz. I never I learned. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, right? yeah I, I, I usually say like Los Feliz, but yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we love LA. Wait, Lo, I'm dying to know as much as I love the geography tour. I'm dying to know as someone who's worked with celebrities, um, what for you have you witnessed and this totally anonymous, you don't have to name names, but have you witnessed like truly diva behavior or has everyone been like wonderful? I have witnessed some of the worst people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> And I am ready to name names. All right, you guys ready? Let's start. Jennifer Lopez, total fuck. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Although I have, I have literally, you guys are like, oh my God, this is going to be like trending podcast. I literally, I we are going really viral. Like famous. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Lo. <laughs> no, I will say, well, I've never worked with Jennifer Lopez, but she has quite the reputation about her and within oh, the industry. Really? She does. And the thing is, I'm sure she's lovely, but I've heard she's not. And... <laughs> 
and that's from several people over several years. And usually where there's smoke, there's fire. I like totally. to say this though, because I remember this one time I booked this client and she's, notor- and I won't say her name because I don't want to end my entire career um, on this podcast. Sure. But uh, I remember I booked her and everyone's like, oh, you're working with that person. Like she's a nightmare and she's the literal worst and her team's insane. Like, good luck. Like you're going to want to pull your hair out working with someone like this. And, and she's notoriously rude, mean. Um, she doesn't even allow people to make eye contact with her if they're what? on her team. Yeah. Yes. She's just very in- intense. Uh, and she's, she's also a method actress. So it depends on the role she's playing. So she feels a little bipolar at times, which is totally fine. But I heard this and I went into it like, I'm so excited to see what happens. <laughs> so uh, because I look at it like, I don't know, my personality is kind of like, are you familiar with the breed of of dog pugs? Uh, um, yes, I feel I like I'm. Familiar. Thank you. I love them. I have one, and, and so I feel like I'm kind of like a pug personality. So I'm just going in there sniffing around and just <laughs> wanting to make you happy, and that's what Aww. pugs do. So I'm like, it's if you must be quite a monster if you're trying to you know ruin a pug's day, right? So, right. Anyway, I went in there just kind of like I was aware, but uh, she actually was lovely and so nice to me. And I don't think it's because I went in, maybe because I went in with different energy, but I didn't have that preconceived notion of her. I let that go when I walked in. And I realize now, and I, I'm friends with a lot of actors, actresses, some I don't style, some I do, but I will say this, some of them have a reputation of being the absolute worst. And and it just takes that one chance, that one off, you're you know having a bad day right. and you freaking lose it on a makeup artist, which you should never do, but it can happen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that, I mean, this bubble of entertainment is so small so if you end up you know really rubbing someone the wrong way or disrespecting or whatever it could be word spreads fast and then all of a sudden you're now called a bitch or an ultimate diva or an asshole on set so that reputation can happen now I've had it happen to me and even then I remember I had one client she had a full-blown meltdown losing her shit really oh it was before a red carpet and she she's a total introvert doesn't like to do like red carpets. And I understand like doing an event instead of it being a joyous occasion, which most people kind of embrace it. And it's like, I look at it like, Oh my God, you're getting to go to an Oscar party or whatever, whatever. Screaming your name where people are screaming your name and you're going to be in a room with all of your fellow colleagues. And you also get, you know, usually a great gift basket and you get to get dressed up in like thousands of dollars of free shit. Like you should really enjoy this moment. For some people, that sounds exciting. For others, it sounds like the worst. So she was one that felt like it was the worst. And she rather just not be at any events. And she hated socializing. So anyway, leading up to an event, oh, it was intense. She uh, would get real worked up. And it was always going to be someone was going to bear the brunt. We didn't know who. She's either going to lose it on the hair, lose it on the makeup, or lose it on the stylist. And it was almost like we kind of all knew going into it. Like, who's she going to lose it on today? And it had... But we ne- we continued to work with her, but we never took it personal because we looked at it like that's one how she manages her stress, yeah, ter- terribly. But yeah. that's how she handles it. <laughs> so uh, nice. <laughs> and two, I'm not going to take it personal. And and it was for like the dumbest stuff, you know. Like she was upset, you know, one time, and it was, you know, oh my god, like the I think what was her like gripe for this one? Oh, it was 
there was like uh, it was a silk type dress and just freaking out about wrinkles on the fabric like i can't sit i can't sit should i get a should we should we need to get a bus to like so i could stand (laughs) and it should deliver me in a bus and she's just like you know going through and then of course her team is like so far up her ass because they're all on payroll Mm-hmm. But I never, one, I'll never be up someone's ass kissing that hard because I look at it like uh, I never want to feel indebted to someone. Right. I can always let a client go. Mm-hmm. And I've had to do that. And I think that gives me some sort of uh, control in the moment. And never, like, that's like being in a shitty relationship, you know? Like, I don't want to leave them because I'll never be with someone it's else toxic. again. Yeah. It is toxic. So luckily now, everybody on my roster is awesome, incredible. And I, I weaned out a lot of the crazy. But Sometimes I'll still get a little cuckoo bird in the mix and I give them the benefit of the doubt. So yeah, I have experience to a long winded answer, but I have experienced some extreme diva meltdown behavior. I've been around a guy who's an actor who was just like not a nice person. Uh, And again, maybe he was just having a bad day, but he was, he was on one and he was just, you know, just being rude to everybody on set, not respectful of time, super late, making everybody wait, you know, and it was, it was a really terrible experience. Um, and it makes it not even worth the the payment at that point. It, so totally. it's like, why be, I think now um, on those like diva type behavior, like Mariah Carey, who is oh my gosh. incredible. I mean, Saint patron Mariah. saint, literally Thank jinx. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Are you a lamb too? Yes. I'm a, I'm a loyal Mariah I was actually going to ask you if, like one of my questions for you was if you'd read her book. I haven't. Oh shit! I just dropped my headphones. Pardon me. Um, I have not read her book yet, but that is on my like to do list of things it's, to do this week. Actually, it's actually yeah. It's like the next thing I'm going to buy with my next Audible credit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's notoriously a diva, and yes. and and I think she embraces it. She, I've I've know a lot of people who have worked closely with her. I've actually had an opportunity. They're like, do you want to style Mariah? And it was for her stylist was like, I think out of the country and they, and I, I knew someone on her team and they're like, we can get you in if you want to do a one-off with her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, like gay Christmas has come early. <laughs> uh, but I had to pass. Cause I thought oh, you should never, what's that phrase? Like don't meet your heroes. They'll disappoint right. you. And I thought, Oh, I don't like Mariah ripping me a new one over a corset or something. Like I just, I just want to keep Mariah like beautiful and talented and totally. a diva that I don't have to get involved with. Plus the rate was shit. So I was like, nah, it's not worth it in the long run. I'll let, you know, keep Mariah iconic and without tears in my heart. Totally. So, uh, but anyway, I think nowadays though, with social media, with like platforms and podcasts and especially like Instagram and stuff, it weeds out the, the mean people. If you're not a nice person, it's going to come out. Yes. People I will mean, no. I was going to ask, do you follow Dumois? No. Okay. What? Oh, what? Whoa. Wait, you know about Dumois. Wait, what? Who the hell's Dumois? Okay. Wait, where have you been? Low. I know, under a pandemic rock. What the hell? <laughs> We're in a panorama, but one of the best things to come out of, <laughs> out of this panorama is Dumois. It's an anonymous, like, uh, blind gossip account that just posts DMs from people who have had celebrity experiences. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I don't follow them, but I've had screenshots of yes. the posts sent to me. Okay, yeah, I'm in the know. Somewhere. So Dumois <laughs> is like, yeah, it's it's wonderful. But I feel like, to your point, like you can't really like have a human moment or like mess up or blow up on somebody without it just immediately going live. 
Oh, yeah, really, though. And and then that becomes the label on you. You're mm-hmm. now the difficult one. You're the nightmare on set. And it's like, I mean, I think sometimes it's kind of fun to, like, read up on that stuff because it's it's escapism, kind of, you know, to find out. Like, it's like, you know, gossip and stuff. But, but yeah, it's, it's broad strokes, you know. Totally. People. Well, and there's a lot of celebrities. Like, I think Leslie Mann, like, always gets a really bad, um, she does. like, review, like, on there. Like, but people pretty much consistently say that she's the worst person. But then there's, like, I feel like for the most part, most of the celebrities are, like, a pretty mixed bag. Like, some person will say, oh, t- stop saying that, you know, Owen Wilson is the worst. Like, I've run into him and he was an absolute delight. So mm-hmm. it, it also, like, allows for some nuance. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, question. Okay. On the topic of celeb gossip, can you tell me how you feel about all of everything going on with Army Hammer and if you're following it? Okay. Following it so closely. This is a, like a sport for me. Uh, <laughs> what's going on with this Hannibal Lecter? So here's the thing. I was so interested in Jeffrey Dahmer. I've watched all these documentaries about that sicko psychopath. And I love a good crime documentary. And I'm like, wait, is Army Hammer like eating people? Like, right. Oh, this is wild stuff. And I always, I'm so fascinated by the Army Hammer thing. I've gotten to meet him. He's actually lovely in person. Uh, it was like in a an event type setting. So I think he was just on, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. He wasn't like, I'm craving ribs, human ones <laughs> when I met him. <laughs> um, but I, I always think, because he comes from a billionaire family, like he's yes. loaded. So you yeah. know, if, for those who don't know, Arm and Hammer baking soda, like, granddaddy arm and hammer created that mm-hmm. so he's part of the billionaires club acting is almost like a hobby at this point he doesn't need the paycheck um he's do a you feel like actor. with army hammer like when you're that rich like just having normal sex just kind of gets boring and you have to like you know convert to ca- cannibalism uh, <laughs> absolutely i do <laughs> There, I've met a many a rich folk in my day and like uncomfortably rich. Stupid rich is a yeah. very small demographic of people uh, where it's like there's a lot of rich people in L.A. and are like rich TikTokers and shit like that. But for you to have like old money and like you come from wealth, that's, mm-hmm. you know, XOXO Gossip Girl Waldorf <laughs> type money, honey. Oh my so I think there's always a little bit of like there's you become a little eccentric, perhaps a little bit weird. I think you're untouchable. And and you're untouchable and you get bored because you have access to everything. It's kind of like, oh, this is another weird thing. But um, I was working with a couple of professional athletes and I was uh, asking one of my clients and he's a professional football player, plays in the NFL. And he was telling me, I said, are there a lot of like undercover like gay dudes in the NFL? Like, I'm so curious because that would be hot. And he's like... (laughs) He's like, um, he goes, I don't know if they're gay. He goes, but there's, you'd be surprised at like football players that like to hook up with dudes. And he goes, I know a lot of my, my friends, cause they have so many women throwing themselves at them. These are, you know, yeah. sing, single dudes. Some of them married perhaps just terrible, but, um, they, maybe they have open marriages. I don't know, but basically they get so bored with, I guess, all of their sexual desires are met. They have totally. orgies that they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to sleep with a dude <laughs> i don't know like i'm gonna conquer a man now right. i don't it's just know like it's just satisfying like your curiosity and like you just can you know yeah and Whatever. i guess 
like doing that is i guess more socially acceptable like you could be bisexual <laughs> you know like sure you want, but then yeah but like actually wanting to feast on someone's flesh is a little <laughs> different in army hammer but also his finsta came out i'm like what friend <gasps> betrayed him and did that right. you guys know that oh yeah celebrities can also be so dumb it's like do not post on their finsta like no matter what people are going to screen record that shit and it's going to come out yeah. Like, but they can't help themselves, in my I opinion. I didn't see the video, but my my friend was telling me that basically he like did. Uh, he was driving down PCH, had a drink, and then like snorted coke or did like took ecstasy or some sort of a drug yeah. while he's driving and was like, "Woo, like bottoms up, homies!" Like you know, and he was unhinged completely. Yeah. You guys, if I I feel like if I had been a 22-year-old girl in LA and I had met Army Hammer, like, you know, Arm and Hammer Prince, <laughs> and he had told me he wanted to eat one of my ribs, I would have been like, no problem. Like, I'm going to start doing <laughs> doctors. Like, I, I do you want a toe? Like, what else do you want? Like, do you need me to Google smokers too? Like, I would no. have been so all over it. Smokers? So- <laughs> <laughs> For like a smoked rib, you a, sick. A Traeger Listen. grill? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, on some level, it's like, is this kind of also a small price to pay? I don't right. know. I mean, yeah. the the branding thing is, is where I would have to, like, leave him behind. Like, I think I would be cool with it until he wanted to brand me. His, like, a, the letter A, like, you know, on my pelvis. It's very similar. Did you guys get, <laughs> yeah. Did you guys watch the uh, Nexium Sex Cult documentary? Yeah, oh, we have a PhD in all things Keith Raniere. Oh, oh my God. Well, welcome, fellow doctor, because <laughs> same. <laughs> I freaking love it. And I did a deep dive into that sicko. And yeah, with the whole branding thing, it's a psychological, he's a complete narcissistic weirdo. And I, I think uh, Army Hammer falls into that. It's a, it's a sense of narcissism, power over somebody and branding. It's like, but I totally, I mean, but honestly, like if, if I had to choose one person that was like going to put me on a 500 calorie deficit diet a day, whether it was <laughs> or Army Hammer, I would choose Army Hammer. Yeah, for the record not this little hobbit in <laughs> right. freaking albany new york, new york. Like armpit of the east coast like ew who makes no. me go on walks in the middle of the night to like you know have an exploration oh. of meaning <laughs> god what a sicko you guys there is something i'm sorry but I'm, I'm not to be like an apologist for these total sociopaths but i will say also i understand how people fall into it because there's something so exciting about someone caring so much about you like <laughs> they're so obsessed with you they want to know what you eat every day like my fiance couldn't care less about me compared to like how much keith ranieri cared, right. like was interested in the women he was trying to control and like come on there's something about that it's, it's kind of stirring yeah I, it's stirring for sure i like it Okay, wait, what the hell? Just, <laughs> I've never thought I'd meet someone that was like kind of envious, kind of wish my my fiance had a little Keith Raniere in him. Oh, you know? totally. Like you could do with like ten percent of Keith Raniere in him, hundred percent. Like just someone who's like who would go on these walks with you and just be like, I just don't. I think you're really blowing it. Like you're just not trying hard enough. And I know you better than you know you. You know, I just yeah. that's all I've ever wanted someone to you say. Felt to me. seen. Feel so seen. seen. Oh, uh, so incredibly seen. So incredibly just emotionally invested in and cared about. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know it's what? just you know, it's a mixed bag. Chandler, you're right. Like I kind of want army hammer you know? like, <laughs> kind of not mad at it like, you just completely swayed me 
I'm glad. I'm so glad we're all on the same page now, and we can come to his defense you know, with yeah, our respective can... platforms. Ew! Like we're like those psychos, like the girls that like stood outside R. Kelly's trial, like free R. Kelly. <laughs> no, totally. here's the thing. I like I have these thoughts, and then I remember that he has like three kids or two kids, and then I'm like, okay, actually, this is sickening and horrifying. Yeah, and I need to rein it in. Oh, no. Yeah. It's super sickening and super horrifying and crazy, but kind of hot. So there we are, people. <laughs> and yeah. And did we, and it's so interesting. Like there's a, there's a thing like, okay, I just watched, did you guys watch the Night Soccer on Netflix? Wait, no. Is that oh. Richard Ramirez? Yes. I, okay. Lo, I've been avoiding it because I actually get very scared at night. Like, uh, I think someone's like trying to attack me all the time. It's like a narcissism <laughs> thing. Um, and I've been avoiding it because I know that the Night Stalker would come in through your window. And I know that he was in Orange County. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's something that crosses my mind far too often. But I probably will watch it. Oh my God, Chandler, I feel so seen by you right now, my little Keith Rainier, because I too live my life feeling like I'm hunted. Yes. And I have such a fear. And I will say, watch that one with a friend or your fiance, boyfriend, whatever, because it, it's really intense. Oh, it's so terrifying. And, it's, and if you've spent time in Los Angeles, like we all have, then you're familiar with all the streets and all the. And, yes. and I mean, he, he was probably one of the most sadistic psychopath like uh evil evil in human form truly i mean uh, i really remember stuff that he did i heard stories about people who would put like soda cans like tied on a string like um by their window so that if someone was trying to get into their window like they would hear it yeah and like that is one like i just gave myself the chills re- retelling that like it's really it's really chilling oh yeah and this one the way they film it is so intense i mean it's really well done but it is very scary but i will say so this guy who is so and he killed men, women, children, grandparents. He'd rape an 80-year-old and then go and like destroy a child's life and then murder the family. Oh like we're talking gosh. Oh my is god, I I'd never are, seen anything like that. Are there episodes or is it like a one sitting type of thing? There are episodes. I think oh it's gosh. like five episodes total. Um I know I'm wait, gonna love it. Oh, it's it's just super intense, but just it's mind blowing that like one, there's that kind of evil. I think he might be because I've watched every type of serial killer, psychopath right. documentary, and I'd say uh, he's my MySpace top eight. Um, he's really? Top one of, I've never heard of anything like that. Because his profile, if for a sociopathic psycho like this, they usually go for, it's always women. Like Ted Bundy, it was women between the ages of 20 to 25. They usually were blonde, brunette. They parted their hair down the middle and, and they were located in very specific areas. So he had a target audience of women of predatory right. behavior. Rhyme or reason he, to it. Right. Oh, sure. So they could kind of, you know, see a pattern. This dude was just plain evil women, children, like I said, anybody, it doesn't matter. You're a guy, girl, you could be 80 or, or four years old. And he was probably going to kill you. And he did a lot of people like over, I think 30 people um, that they discovered. I mean, so sick. Wasn't one of them in Mission Viejo or something? Like, I feel like, yeah, yeah, it was like, some of it was in Orange County. It was literally in, I believe Mission Viejo. He made his way to Orange County and then terrorized the Los Angeles area. And uh, so, but what I was going to get to was this guy is again, just, I think the most evil individual I've ever learned about. I mean, I put him up there with like Hitler. Right. Sick. Um, and, and there, he's still this sick sicko had hundreds of fans of women throwing themselves at him mm-hmm. and wanting to be with him. At, 
because he became such a public figure and they were attracted to the evil and he ended up getting married in jail. Like this bastard ended up having a wife and, and, you know, lived, I mean, quote unquote, happy in a prison cell, but he had many admirers and fans and he played on that. And then he died of, I believe like cancer or something like, um, but, but Ugh. like, just to think like there was women out there, like so many that were like, um, kind of into it. Right. Like, like take whoa. It Oh yeah, like all oh, like Keith Raniere, the Nexium sex cult cool. dude, and like a lot Scott of them. Peterson, like you know, super cute, I will say. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I actually drove past San Quentin like uh, a couple months ago because I now live in San Francisco, and I like I didn't realize I was driving past it until all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, it's San Quentin. And I did do a little bit of googling about Scott Peterson, and I did feel slightly tingly. Like I was yeah. like, oh, so close. <laughs> So, Wait, is he still? I mean, I don't I, know what his long-term story is. He yeah, in, like for life. I think he, yeah, I think he's in there. Um, I think he's one of the most notorious like criminals in there. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, anyways, stuff. there's um, that's like that just shows some toxic thoughts that I have. I think it just goes to show, like, the fact that women are, like, resorting to men in prison. I don't know. It just seems to speak to, like, the imbalance, I think, like, maybe in the dating sphere. Sure. That we, like, have this. Like, like literally Charles Manson, when he was, like, 70, married a 27-year-old while oh he was in God. prison. Oh, sicko. Yeah, nuts. I, I do think, though, well, Charles Manson, that was super psychological with all of his cult following. Uh, but I, I know, like... I watched the the thing on the Menendez brothers who are super hot. Really hot. And was that yes. a good dog? Yes. Oh, yeah, that amazing. was like um, a Ryan Murphy, right? Wasn't it like the making, like, you know how they did the OJ Simpson miniseries? That Wait, they did, oh, I didn't watch right? the Ryan Murphy one yet. I'm pretty sure you are. I think I was, it was the Ryan Murphy like one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really watched, good. They've done so many different specials, but like, I mean, for those that don't know, two hot um, brothers in Beverly Hills <laughs> blow their parents out, kill them. And then yeah. the whole thing is, are they guilty because they claimed abuse mm-hmm. and they were saying, quote unquote, they defended themselves anyway, but they grew up to be like quite handsome. So they ended up getting <laughs> getting married to women, but they interviewed his wife, uh, one of the Menendez brothers, and she was saying that it's like a control thing for her because she, she was in an abusive relationship. And she said that knowing that she could have like these in-depth, like spiritual talks, and this guy obviously gave her tons of attention because he's mm-hmm. just in a little four by four cell. Right. So he was able to give her all the attention she needed and wanted. And she felt safe because he was locked up for life. Totally. So I, I think there was like, that was what attracted her, her to someone like that. Um, so I, yeah, I think that there's a whole psychological thing that goes into wanting to date a prisoner. I mean, and yeah, that's totally, just, totally. just the love letters themselves. Like, you know, when you have nothing better to do than to just like write an ode to your lady, like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, and you know, he's not going to cheat on you, yeah. at least with a woman. So that crosses <laughs> out a lot of risks. I mean, that's like, that's already like two more things. And like, I can say about most guys on Hinge. Totally. Can we just say that this podcast, like we've been basically, we've been like kind of get it, like kind of into <laughs> the jail system. <laughs> Like anyone listening is going to be like, these people are literal trash. And, I'm like, next thing I'm, I'm dating someone on death row. Yeah, right. If one of our list, if one of our young listeners wants to start like a dating app for like men in prison, they could be like the next like Forbes 30 under 30. Like we're like giving away such a good business idea. Oh, I know. We, oh my God. I think we collectively, the three of us own the IP though to this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So obviously the crown um, season four 
recently was released. We saw our first glimpse of Princess Diana. And season five, we will see like our next bit of time explored with Kristen Stewart playing Princess Diana. No, no, no. It's not right? in The Crown. It's a totally it's different documentary. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm totally I think they're doing an actual movie and what? she's going to play Lady Di up in a film, like okay, a biopic this, or situation. This makes me feel better because I thought the actress from The Crown was re- actually really good. And I was like, why are they replacing her already? <laughs> Lauren, why don't you? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, no, I mean, so um, yeah, they're doing a, a movie about Princess Diana. I think it's called Spencer. And um, Kristen Stewart is playing Princess Diana, and I would love to get your thoughts low. Chandler, feel free to weigh in. I'm sure maybe you have something interesting to say. Probably not. This is a national tragedy. It is. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Here's the thing. They released a picture of uh, Kristen Stewart dressed up in full Lady Di uh, garb, and she did look incredible. And maybe I think there's a sense of Kristen Stewart that she has that, like, she's extremely introverted and shy. And that's, I mean, everyone knows that about her, like, in her interviews and stuff. She hates public appearances and stuff. Right. Um, which is kind of similar to Lady Di that like very soft spoken and she doesn't never really makes eye contact. You know, she's kind of always kind of looking up, down, up, down, that right, sort of thing. Right. Um, so I think she'll nail like that part. But I guess I've just never been a huge Kristen Stewart fan in general. And I, when it comes to a character as iconic and special as Lady Di, people really love her. Uh, I mean, rightfully so. She was, you know, did a lot of good things for the world. Uh, you know, she's big like human rights activists. But I will say... I want to remove myself when I'm watching like this character and just, I wish they got a no name is what I'm getting at. I wish they booked someone who was like, nobody knew about, and I could just get so submerged into the role of, and not think of Twilight. Right. Like Like, exactly. You know, she was like plucked from obscurity, at least as far as I'm aware. (laughs) And she did a perfect job. She also looked amazing. (laughs) See, I wish they I, – I would love that too, but I wish they had cast someone like a, like a young virgin of Meryl Streep or like a Cate Blanchett where you know like the acting chops are so intense totally. that it's going to be an exquisite performance. But with Kristen Stewart, I'm just like, really? Like what? We're just going to watch a bunch of eye rolls? Like, <laughs> I don't think her facial range is going to do justice to the Princess of Wales. Okay? Sue me. But that's yeah. my opinion. I, You know, I'm with you on that one. Maybe she'll knock it out of the park. I'm hoping. We'll hope for the best and assume the worst, shall we? But I I do think that uh, there's, to your point of someone with the acting chops, so, okay, did you guys hear about uh, Lucille Ball being played by none other than uh, Queen Nicole Kidman? What? No, this is incredible. Oh, okay, okay, we got some tea up in here. So that's exciting news. Uh, So they announced Lucille Ball, they're going to do a a story about her early life of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. And if people aren't familiar with Desi Arnaz, um, you know, Ricky Ricardo. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up on I Love Lucy. Oh, you did? Oh, same, same. Yeah. Oh, it's just the best. It's like, isn't it crazy? Like watching old I Love Lucy episodes, they're so funny, but it's like such innocent humor. Yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, but Desi Lu Productions, I mean, he what a trailblazer. Even the idea of doing studio audiences and the way he d- did his episodes, he was the first of anyone to do that. They went out number one. They were the only show to do that, too. And they, I mean, he was genius in like celebrity appearances and things like that hadn't been done before Ricky Ricardo. Um, so Lucille Ball and him, and they had a really uh, exciting marriage, but it was troubled because he right. cheated on her all the time. But anyway... 
I don't want to get into Lucille Ball's life, but um, I sound like a, what am I a historian over here? But they, they got Nicole Kidman to play the early life of Lucille Ball and Deborah Messing. A lot of people were like, you need to book Deborah Messing for it. And I guess the studio had released a statement like about Nicole playing uh, Lucille Ball. And then Deborah Messing, a few fans tweeted out because she had played Lucille Ball on episodes of Will and Grace and she nailed it. I just the look, like she has yeah, the facial yeah. range and she totally. did the Vitamita Vegemin and the little chocolate conveyor belt scene, which are super iconic scenes. And she yes. kind of, you know, people associate her a lot with Lucille Ball. And the daughter of uh, Ricky Ricardo and Lucy, I forget her name, um, but she's alive and well. And she basically said, yeah, and it was surprising that Deborah Messing would even kind of encourage like these tweets and stuff because she wrote, she responded like, yeah, why am I not considered her? I'd love to. Like I never, they didn't reach out to me, but like I'm here if you want to. And I'm like, what a weird thing to say considering like another actress is already attached right. to the project. Right. It's come out That's like, really like, weird. Like what are they going to like change it up because like right. the fans demand it. True but, I'm I'm so glad that the daughter of Lucy and Ricky like basically came out and said, you know, although it's great that Deborah Messing, you know, has the image and likeness or whatever, I'm I'm looking we're looking for the the early stages of my mom's life. We're probably not even gonna touch on those iconic moments. We're looking for basically with someone with acting chops. Yeah, literally. <laughs> no way. Wait, I mean She said it in a really political, like sweet oh way. Gosh. But it was basically saying like Nicole Kidman has what it takes to portray my mom in her most intimate moments outside of the I camera. Mean, Nicole Kidman's facial range is unparalleled. It's also extremely limited because she can barely move her face, but it's still <laughs> incredible. But it's like but somehow it it's still parallel. phenomenal. Like the in the undoing. Big Little Lies? Are you kidding me? Oh, it's yeah, it's great. I mean, she is frozen like with the Botox, but yes. for some, but she's I, the she omits like Big Little Lies. Come on, that was like painful to watch. Like, oh, it was a really incredible performance. Her the abuse that she went through in that show. So yeah, she has the acting chops. Whether she's frozen or not, she still omits some sort of feeling. Yeah, that's powerful. So good. Oh yeah. my gosh, Lo, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so fun. Oh my God! You Truly guys. a treat. Thank you. I Thank you. have enjoyed every moment of this, Aww. my Orange County sisters. Seriously. Totally. And Wait, whenever yes. you come back from Puerto Rico and you're back from San Francisco, like I hope we could meet up for a COVID-free moment together. Oh, so, I would love it. Let's all meet at Paradise Bakery at Kevin. <gasps> oh, that's what <laughs> we're doing. Share a cookie. All right. And I'm sure our listeners, I hope our listeners don't just completely desert our podcast and start listening to Lowe's podcast exclusively, but I'm sure they want to go to your podcast. (laughs) It's called The Low Show. When do your episodes come out? So yeah, it's The Low Show and they come out every Thursday. We release a new episode and just because people always assume it's like a fashion podcast because I'm a stylist, but I mean, we've yet to do a fashion episode, to be honest. It's everything we cover. Um, I mean, we had one episode just on sex cults. We cover depression, anxiety, life, dating, sex, and relationships. Just everything really is covered on it. I'm I'm definitely an open book on the, the podcast. So I think that there's a little something for everybody and it's, it's just really kind of like, yeah, it's me navigating life on on the air is basically what's happening on this podcast because people seem to enjoy it so far. So you're a delight. Yeah, yeah. you're you. incredible. So are you guys? Oh, yeah. thanks. And the yeah, the podcast is I guess it's available wherever you stream your podcast. It's on all the different platforms. So amazing, wherever you get your pods. Oh, well, it's been so fun. We're an hour and fifteen minutes long, so I think we should probably let you go. But um, 
everyone. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you, Lo. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus' wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group, and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you, because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.